Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Tonight, I want to talk to you about a new stage in the fundamental transformation of America, where violence is now accepted and sometimes it's oh ever so slightly encouraged. But there is obviously a catch here. It is accepted as long as you are on the right side or the left. Tonight, I'm going to show you the top-down strategy that the left is now employing in the government, the streets, and with corporate America. They do not care about the dangerous consequences of their rhetoric. And those consequences were on full display last week at a San Francisco State University. But first, a little background. It was the 2022 NCAA Women's Swimming Championship. Riley Gaines, a 12-time All-American female swimmer from the University of Kentucky, faced off against a male claiming to be a woman named Leah Thomas. She uh, tied down to the hundredth of a second with Leah Thomas. But it was not Riley who was given a trophy. It was Leah. It was also Leah who exposed his male genitalia in the women's locker room. And it was Riley who was expected to stay silent. But she didn't. When she saw that no one around her was standing up for women and women's spaces, she stood up. Her message has been very simple. Women deserve their own spaces. And for that, she has been ridiculed and ambushed and threatened just last week on the campus of San Francisco State University. After she finished, finished speaking about why we need to protect female athletes, a mob ambushed the room and she had to be taken to a safe room. On her way there, she said, I was hit physically twice by what I may presume was a male individual. She had to stay locked in that safe room while the mob shouted at her about trans rights, even going as far as one person in the mob saying, tell her to pay us and then she could go. They literally ambushed her, held her hostage on the college campus, all because she just wants to protect women. She's here to tell us the story. We welcome the very brave Riley Gaines. Riley, I have to tell you, I said earlier um, this week when I first saw this come out that I thought you and Chloe Cole are literally the only civil rights leaders or, or people speaking out for civil rights that don't do a job like mine. You're doing it because you mean it and you've garnered, garnered national attention and taken so many risks. And I thank you for being that person. Well, I can't even tell you how much that means because you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. I'm not talking about women's sports for me. Um, I'm done playing sports. I, I don't need them protected for me anymore. But I can't imagine being in the position I'm in with the testimony and the experience and the story that I have and the platform, of course, and not advocating for my little sister or for my, I just got married and I can only hope one day that I'll be fortunate enough to have a daughter. Not fighting for her, not fighting for the other girls in my same position who have their voices completely silenced, not fighting for the women who fought so relentlessly to ensure we had equal opportunities by fighting for Title IX. 
we're expected now to just throw all of that out of the window in the disguise of, of progress, of being progressive and moving forward. But this movement is not progressive, and it doesn't take a rocket, a rocket scientist to see that. This is taking us at least 51 years back in time to when before Title IX was enacted. So I, where are the other girls? Why are you so alone? The girls in my position, you just saw the video. That's why they don't want to speak out. That's why they're terrified. They don't want to take the arrows. But quite frankly, I would take a right hook for Mike Tyson. I'm glad to hear you say that because one of the things, can we turn the audio off, please? Um, the One of the things that I, I thought of was, um, I wonder how much longer you're going to, do this um, because you are just an individual and you know I, I didn't feel I'd like to hear from you do you feel the police did their job did you feel like they were there for you no I don't they we were supposed to meet an hour and a half before the event to go over an exit strategy plan and if something like this were to happen which we anticipated um, I won't say I anticipated this by any means but I knew there would be people who didn't agree with me present in the room I fully prepare for that. And I encourage that. Truthfully, I want these people to, I want to get myself in front of the people who don't agree with me. Um, but but the not for confrontation, up. just for no, to, diversity to of ideas. Eyes, to open eyes and share perspectives and have dialogues and converse about what we can do moving forward to unify in some degree um, without compromising on the fact that women deserve equal or equal opportunity and protected spaces. Um, but the police didn't show up to meet before we didn't discuss the strategy. They were, they did a very poor job. I think they were scared. They didn't want to be labeled as anything other than an ally to the community. But it's so ironic because just today, um, the student body president released a statement saying the police were, the, the police presence was excessive and uncalled for. Ha! <laughs> they said there really? was too much in the event. Wow, <laughs> yes, how do you think you would have fared without anyone protecting you at all? So is there I, is there witness to your assault? Is there video witness to your assault? I have contacted the school. Actually, I believe the campus police has contacted the school to get the CCT foot or CCTV footage of the room. Um, hopefully, they have not erased over it. Um, all the police have garnered their body cam footage. At this time, I have not seen any of the footage, but I know there are people in the room who also were assaulted and who saw this as well. So what were they shouting to you? Well, actually, in my speech, I could hear people on the outside um, down this hallway. There was one group at this end of the hallway and another group at this end. And this side would yell, trans rights are under attack. And this side would yell back, what do we do? We fight back. But again, I thought this was just protesting, which I'm. People are entitled to protest. It's one of the amazing things of this country. We have the right to protest and organize. Didn't bother me until they actually did fight back. They were yelling violent things. They were yelling awful things. They were telling me that if I didn't want the smoke, I shouldn't have come to San Francisco. Or um, they were saying I was using my, right, my white privilege. Um, they were saying things um, demanding money if I wanted to make it home. I, I heard them negotiating with the dean of students, you know, they were saying, if she got paid to be here, we deserve to be paid if, if she wants to make it home safely. 
which why they were negotiating my safe passage with the dean of students. I don't so understand. When the, when, the, when the dean of students was standing there and then you saw his response that this was totally peaceful, how did you feel? It feels as if we're living in an alternate universe. It feels as if, um, of course, they do this in the disguise of love and in the disguise of inclusion and kindness and acceptance and welcoming yeah. and welcoming and tolerance. But what I have faced this past year, not just that one instance, has been the exact opposite of those things because it's not kind to allow a man to change next to a girl. And it is not inclusive to allow a man to take a, a podium spot, to take a title, a scholarship, any opportunity away from a woman. Um, it's actually exclusive. It's exclusive to the very girls Title IX was intended to protect. Um, but again, they like to virtue signal as if they're doing it out of love. But you, again, you saw the video. We know that was not love. Yet they were claiming I was the one who was spreading hate. And I was the one who was being discriminatory, all for saying men should not compete against women. Let me ask you something I thought of this week in watching this. You know, you, you tied down to the 10th. So it was, you both should have been on the uh, platform. Um, you know, if you accept that he's a woman, I guess. Um, but... Has he, did he at that time say, no, 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 we both should be on or not at all? Or did he, did he, has he ever reached out to you? Has he ever talked to you about any of this? No. Um, and so my animosity with the whole NCAA championships is not directly towards Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas was following the rules set in place, but I do believe Leah Thomas is selfish. And I believe Leah Thomas has an utter disregard towards women and utter disrespect towards women and our privacy in the locker room and our safety and our equal opportunities. And so my problem is not, it's not, my, my argument is not rooted in transphobia, but I do have a problem with someone who is selfish in the way that even after all of this, Leah came out and said that he wanted to take an Olympic spot on the women's team. Um, at the next Olympics, which now is not possible because of new guideline, new guidelines, but it's just narcissism yeah. and we're affirming it at the expense of we, as female athletes, we were the collateral damage. So, um, I, I, I tend to agree with you because that's what I thought. I thought, you know, if I were in his position and I was offered that spot and I wanted to be healing I would have reached out to you. I would have come out after this weekend and said, this is ridiculous. We disagree with each other, but this has got to stop. And I don't see anyone doing that. No. Instead, you see them doubling down. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It's as if the original feminist movement has totally either abandoned ship or they're now actively fighting for, for male inclusion in, in women's spaces, which of course goes against everything that the original feminist movement was created to empower and embolden and protect. I now call myself, I never would have considered myself a feminist before, but I now call myself a modern day feminist, right. which just means someone who can acknowledge that there are two sexes, you cannot change your sex, and women deserve equal opportunity and we deserve respect. I don't understand how this is even an argument. Ten years ago, everybody would have agreed with this. And there hasn't been a new case. It's just shouting people down. Um, 
there's a lot of people that are standing against you, groups, individuals, et cetera, et cetera. Do you feel like there's anybody that is really stepped to the plate and is for you? I do. Um, Sage Steele, she works at ESPN. She, um, obviously ESPN has, has their own problems. They're owned by Disney. This Woman History Month, they honored Leah Thomas as, as this brave, courageous woman. And Sage Steele, again, working at ESPN, he has, she has come out and said, you know, this is wrong. This is harmful to women. We are supposed to empower women. We are supposed to tell women they're capable of, of everything um, a man is capable of, but without competing against a man to get to that point. And so her, Michelle Tafoya, who is another broadcaster, um, Lisa Booth, there's so many amazing, Great. powerful women. Bethany Hamilton, she was another... She was the surfer who lost her arm in a shark attack yeah. who's been outspoken. So there are amazing women, but I'm still waiting for more athletes, more even male athletes. We need more voices. We need to prove that we're the majority. I know we are, but right now we're catering to the minority because silence is complicity and we have too much, too many people being silent. That's why they're shouting you down. That's why they're threatening you. That's, that's why all of this is allowed to happen and encouraged to happen because uh, they want to make sure that nobody else stands up and speaks out. Um, last question, uh, going back to the assault, is there a case open on this? Are you going to push uh, for assault charges to be dropped if you can get the videotape? Absolutely. Um, I believe the police have launched their own separate investigation, but I will be pursuing some sort of legal action, whether that's against the administration, whether that's against who um, physically assaulted me, whether that's against the campus police for doing a terrible job of evacuating me from that situation because due to their own fear, there needs to be a message sent here. Um, when is enough enough? We have gone too far to allow this and then again, double down and deem this as something that is peaceful. Um, this is a problem and I believe the tides will start to turn. I believe eyes will be opened because this type of thing, anyone with some sort of sanity knows that this is wrong and this is harmful and it's violent. We pray for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. God bless. Um, back with more in just a second. First, let me tell you about the Jace case. Here we are living in the United States of America. It doesn't feel like it. We're in the 21st century, and um, this stuff is going on. We have shortages everywhere. And when it comes to medicine, today I was on radio talking about how they are um, uh, vaccinating cattle or want to for COVID, which the cows aren't having a problem with COVID. Nothing makes sense. And we're running short of medications here in America. We should be making medicines here, basic medicines. Jace case uh, from Jace Medical is something where you, if you think that maybe you can't always get to the pharmacy or the pharmacy's not gonna always be there or we're gonna run short of medicines or you're just going on vacation, I urge you to get the Jace case. It provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. Now you can get them by filling out a simple online form and in some cases jumping on a quick call with one of the Jace Medical Board certified physicians. You'll have access to ongoing care from those physicians on any treatment related question as well. All right, um, I want to talk to you about a couple of things tonight. I want to talk to you about um, top-down, bottom-up, inside-out. 
Um, and I need you to stop thinking of America as a free market because it is not. And you'll understand in the next few minutes. But first, let me go back to what happened with Riley uh, for just a second. Watch this. Tell her to pay us. Tell her to pay us and then she could go. Ten bucks each. Okay. They, they were holding her hostage, demanding money for her safe passage off the campus. This implies that violence was the only other alternative here. Now, you have to wonder what those two cops were thinking at that moment. If they intervened, would they only have to face this violent, woke mob, but also the woke mob within the university's administration as well, because they were there. I've been warning about this for years. Top down, bottom up, inside out. You've got the players in the government and in all the institutions at the very top. You've got the street performers, all of the radicals down at the bottom. These people are connected to these. They say, go ahead, nobody's going to touch you. They act without any impunity. Uh, there are no consequences for them. Because why? The top says it's just. The bottom says we're just fighting Nazis. And I'm only using, I mean, I invoked the comparison they used, not me. So, they're not conflicted at all. If I point out how Hitler used his brown shirts, the Nazis appealed to only about 30% of the German people. This was a party. Nazism was like the Democratic or Republican Party. They were the minority. But when people spoke out against any of their insane proposals, similar to, say, a dude competing in women's sports or the mutilation of children, Hitler would send in the brown shirts to attack the dissenters. He always said, they don't have anything to do with me. I, I don't have anything to, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk to them. Does this sound familiar? Take a look at a map of America. How many states discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender? How many... How many um, counties or cities? The answer is zero. And these, these people up at the top are goading the activists. They know that there's nothing going on. So what did they do? Well, they direct their aim at children. They made children their new battleground. They claim the new civil rights issue is the right to sexually mutilate children and to have our daughters lose to biological males in sports. This is not sane at all. This is a sign of a real mental disorder. And these are the lines of sanity that are being drawn in this country. Just last week, the states of Indiana and Idaho banned the use of gender-affirming care for children. Also last week, Kansas banned transgender athletes from competing in women and girls' sports. These things are obvious, but we don't live in sane times anymore. Check out this video from a few years ago. This is a Fallon Fox, a transgender MMA fighter, after he knocked out a woman. Your winner by knockout, Fallon, Queen of Swords, Fox. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling excellent. That was sweet, huh? Did you like that? Yeah! Who wouldn't like that? Beautiful, well-placed knee, 39 seconds. You're advancing to the next round. What's going through your head right now? She was a pretty strong opponent, I'll give her that. I'll give her that, but my technique won the day. And I want to tell everyone else, I'm coming in this, in this tournament. Every woman in this tournament better look out. I'm freaking coming. Mm -hmm. 
that's a man assaulting a woman on live TV, then bragging that he was going to do more of it. This is what the left is currently fighting to keep. This is what is bringing the Democrat brown shirts out in the streets to protect. This is the cause they believe justifies their violence. And why wouldn't they think they could do anything and get away with it? Why would they think that holding Riley Gaines hostage would hold any consequence? The George Floyd Summer of Rage riots resulted in up to $2 billion in damages. Cities were burnt to the ground. CNN, they reported it as mostly peaceful. Remember that? A few months later, the George Floyd riots turned into Breonna Taylor riots. Seven people were shot on top of more property destruction and violence. Everything was spiraling out of control when Kamala Harris was asked about the riots. This was her response. They're not going to stop. And that's they're not. This is a movement. I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. And, and everyone beware because they're not going to stop. It is going to they're not going to stop before Election Day in November and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this huh. is they're not going to let up and they should not. And huh. we should not. OK, so everyone should be a, be aware um, and there would be more after the election. Those are her own words. But you notice there wasn't anything after. Because they won. What happened to all that rage? If you're one of these street activists, what message are you picking up from this? Two police officers would be shot a few months later. And new riots erupted when a grand jury decided not to charge the officers involved in Breonna Taylor's death. You have to wonder if the left is completely oblivious to how dangerous their words are or if they are happy with the chaos. What happens when people are led to believe that the world is about to be destroyed in just a few years because of climate change or that police, all of police are racist? What would people be willing to do? What happens when trans people believe they're facing a genocide? Political narratives have consequences. Violence from the trans community is on the rise. Just ask Riley Gaines or even Blaze TV's Alex Stein, who was recently attacked at a trans rally just a few weeks ago. A trans shooter shot four people in Maryland in 2018. Another one killed, uh, uh, killed one and eight others, injured eight others in a school in Denver in 2019. Person identifying as non-binary killed five people and injured 25 at a nightclub in Colorado Springs in 2022. The Covenant shooting, that was in Nashville just a couple of weeks ago. Just a few days after that horrific attack, another trans teenager was arrested by police after it was found out that he was planning a similar attack. Now, what's going on? Now, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination vilifying the entire trans community here, but I am calling out the rhetoric that is coming out of the universities and the government and TV, local and federal. If you tell people they're being discriminated, if you tell them they're facing genocide, there will always be a select few who will literally take all of that and do something about it, especially if you are dealing with people who are suffering from a mental illness. And a lot of this screams mental illness. But still, 
The top-down assault continued. You notice how Biden administration responded after the Nashville shooting? Just days after they continued with their transgender day of visibility, they stated they wanted to celebrate, quote, the resilience in the face of hand, a hateful anti-transgender laws being advanced across the country. Three separate times this statement mentions that trans rights are being attacked. For, con for context, they're talking about dudes participating in women's sports and the sexual mutilation of our children. So we're talking about our children, not adults. Consider the timing of saying all of this. Kids were just killed in their own school. Do they have no shame at all? The answer is no, they don't. Here's the White House press secretary soon after. LGBTQI plus kids are resilient. They are fierce, they fight back, they're not going anywhere, and we have their back. This administration has their back. Wow, that is fascinating. Fight back and we have your back. That is giving instruction and top telling the bottom, you're not going anywhere, turn the whole thing inside out. Interesting word choices after a member of the trans community just shot up a Christian school and murdered children. The messages are clear, forget the consequences, and here's the narrative we're rolling with. Go fight back. We saw this in the wake of the Nashville shooting when three Democrats participated in the takeover of the Tennessee legislature with a mob of activists. Two of them were voted to be expelled by the Tennessee Republican-controlled House, and good for them. The Democrats that were expelled shouted on a megaphone in parallel with the mob. There simply must be consequences for this kind of behavior. But can you guess how the Biden administration responded? Biden invited them to the White House. Kamala Harris traveled to Nashville where she showered them with applause. Two days ago, the Dems with a bullhorn were reinstated. There are no consequences. You can lead an insurrection on a state capitol building. You can be violent and disruptive on a college campus. But as long as you're on their side, as long as you are fighting for their insane cause, you're all right. This is exactly the message that people are hearing when they hear the words genocide. Get out there, mess things up, disrupt, stop these people. Nothing should stop you. The left strategy is escalating and we're being balkanized, forced to hate thy neighbor. Don't do it. All the people at the very top of power are guiding it along. This is, this is coordinated. Just like Kamala Harris predicted, it didn't stop before the election. And when it was convenient, it didn't stop after the election. It's getting worse. But again, you should know. If you've watched me for a while, top down, get the bottom to rise up. You panic. And the top comes down to lock it all up. Back in a minute. First, let me tell you about preborn. Biden is the most pro-abortion president in our history, maybe in the history of the planet. I mean, you have to go back to the ancient days of Moloch and, and Baal, but, uh, you know, in the modern era, I don't think there's been anybody who seems to celebrate unborn lives being sacrificed. Let me tell you about preborn. Here's how the network of clinics responds. They respond with love, compassion, and free ultrasounds. These women, many of them, they're not monsters. They, they feel trapped. 
Meeting mothers with unplanned pregnancies, you meet them where they are and you shower them with love and God, God's love, you can reach the heart and the heartbeat and the soul of both the mom and the baby is life and it's there. Over 200,000 precious babies have already been saved through the life-giving work of preborn. Every day, preborn rescues about 200 babies and they rescue them because you are there. They depend on you and me. I want you to see at the bottom of the screen, pound 250, say the keyword baby and save a baby, will you? 28 bucks buys uh, an ultrasound. Pound 250, keyword baby, or you can go to preborn.com slash Glenn. Save a lot. The world has been here before. In Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities, he wrote about the French Revolution, saying, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the season of darkness and the spring of hope. We had everything before us, yet we had nothing before us. We were all going to heaven. We were all going direct the other way in. At the crossroads of good and evil, the French chose the guillotine. My next guest says America is at the same crossroads right now. We're in our own French Revolution. Which way do we go? Welcome to Victor Davis Hanson. How are you, sir? Good to see you. Very good. Very good, Glenn. Thank so you. Um, you say there are three outcomes on where we are. You said, A, uh, two more years of uh, our version of the French Revolution to take its course and then wreck everything our founders built. B, our whole legal system is so damaged that even if the left is unpopular, they still win. Or C, America wakes up and we end this reign of terror and get back on the right path. Which way yep. do you see us going? Well, I have to believe in the third or the last because I'm an optimist. And yeah. I think almost every issue that the Biden administration is pushing from the Green New Deal to the transgendered mania to the DAs and the diminution of crime. Uh, all of that has no public support. The open border doesn't have any support. The Afghanistan debacle, none of it does. And yet they're able to maintain power through the permanent FBI, CIA, DOJ institutions such as Silicon Valley, yeah. corporate boardroom. It, All of that, but it's, it's not popularly supported. You know, you were you brought up the French Revolution, and uh, I immediately thought of Thomas Paine uh, and his pamphlet called "The Age of Reason," which he wrote for that. Yes. And it wasn't the he thought it was at first. He thought it was all yeah. about reason, um, but he realized uh, too late as he was in the uh, Bastille that it's not about reason, it's just about taking one God and replacing it with another. And I think yeah. that's what we have now, because you talk to people, you cannot reason through any of these issues. There's no reason at all. No, and the, the irony is, remember in the French Revolution, they made a deity called Radio, reason. Mm. And it's very similar to what these people are doing. They're telling us that reason and science backs the lockdowns or as many boosters as you can get, or that there is no such thing as biological sex, it's a construct. They always talk about reason. 
And it's it's similar also, Glennon, it's a 360-degree, 24-7 revolution, not unlike the Founders' Revolution. By that I mean it's a totality. The French Revolution wanted to abolish religion. They wanted to change the days of the week. They wanted to change the... And this revolution, 1619 rather than 1776, they want to artificial... They want to encompass every aspect of our life in a revolutionary sense besides just political. That's what's so scary. And uh, it makes it so similar I, to the French Revolution. I see, however, more and more people waking up. Um, but it's it's hard because you know when you say the French, we're going through the French Revolution. People, many people, will say, "Okay, it's not that bad." Um, yeah, it is. It. I mean, again, going back to Thomas Paine, he didn't realize how bad it was until they pulled the guillotine out. You have to look at the direction and then say, this is unreasonable, and they're headed towards this kind of an ending, but you, you can't convince people of that. How do you do that? Yeah, it's very difficult, and, and because they've been acculturated to this insidious escalation. And so we have, this last week, Kamala Harris praising people who went in and disrupted the democratic process, hijacked the Tennessee legislature, and then she's praising them. Or we have a woman who killed six people when she had a manifesto explaining why she was going to go kill apparently nine-year-old and they won't release it or we have a one party that's interfering in the primary process of another these are very revolutionary things that we've never quite seen before right that and and i guess we've been so acculturated after the death of george floyd the lockdown covid that was a catalyst that really ignited these long we, we knew that these these processes were in motion but those three events and then the phenomenon of Donald Trump, they kind of ignited it. And now we're in uncharted territory. So, and uh, it's pretty scary. I, I think it's pretty scary. Um, so, you know, when you look at history, I mean, we have the revolutionaries have used, first of all, our own system and our own goodness, I think, against us. Uh, Americans are not the kind that want to fight over things we we want to just get along with everybody, get along with our neighbor, uh, for the most part. Um, and so that went a long way with political correctness. But now it is absolutely unhinged from reason. And, I, you know, I read an interesting thing about uh, the SA, which were the brown shirts in Germany. And the question that I ask people is, how do you get a country where you have 30 percent of the voting uh, public identifying as that party? That was a political party, the Nazis, it's like Democrats or Republicans. It was the Nazi party. How do you get the entire population to give that party salute? You yeah. do it think- by beating people in the streets like the brown shirts yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. I think what the Bolsheviks and the the Maoists and the Jacobins had in common, as you said, they were a very small minority, but they were very clever in that they targeted people and they went after them. So in the French Revolution, they killed Danton, or as the Brownsters, they killed people and let people know. And so what the left is doing now in kind of a performance arc, if you're anywhere near January 6th, a thousand people have been pretty much deprived of their civil rights and normal jurisprudence, but they're making an example of them so that nobody ever dares to do that again. And when they had this 
person in Texas in the Austin, a person driving an Uber car, somebody confronts him with an AR-15 and he defends himself and they charge him with murder. These are, same thing with Donald Trump, we're gonna see a series of indictments and they're saying to Trump, we're not afraid of impeaching you once, we're not afraid of impeaching you twice, we're not afraid of trying you as a private citizen, we're not afraid of raiding your home, we're not afraid of indicting you this time in Georgia and the special counsel. And what they do is they send a message to everybody else, life would be so much better if you just join us, but if you want to be one of these people uh, that, like the swimmer who was trapped at San Francisco uh -huh. State this week, Riley, and she was pretty much kidnapped and they wanted to negotiate kind of a ransom and there was no consequences at all. In fact, the dean almost praised the attackers as analogous to the Stanford yeah. Law School, but that sends a message to people. You really want to be on the wrong side because we'll do anything to get you. And the, the right or the conservative traditionalists play by the markets of Queensbury rules. And so the left, there's no, if you're in between, you think, you know what, I, I prefer the traditionalists, but there's no consequences for attacking them or ignoring them or being against them, but there is with this tiny left. And so they create a deterrence and they make it known, the cancel culture, ostracism, whatever you want to call it. And especially, I'm in academia and I can tell you that they go after particular people and then sure. everybody privately emails you and says, I really agree with you. But I think Scott Atlas was really right. Jay Bacharia was really right at Stanford, but I'm in no position to say anything, I'm sorry. And that's how they operate. So I think the problem this time around is uh, the best way for Americans to protest, and I think it is a natural way for the right, is more along the lines of Martin Luther King. But we have, in a minute here, tell me where the churches are, tell me where there's a Martin Luther King that will bring the discipline that is needed uh, so people feel comfortable marching and they're not, they know they don't have an FBI agent in the ranks. Yeah, it's very difficult because those types of people are terrified right now. I think what's a phenomenon very quickly is we're seeing people on the left, a Bill Maher, or Michael Schellenberger, or Elon Musk, all of those people, uh, Barry Weiss, they're saying that these people are crazy, we know them better than you do and they're crazy. And so there's a growing number, and if we can capture those people in the middle and bring them to our side through reason and, and warning of what their own people, and I think we have a chance. This next election is gonna be very important. It's not gonna be, it won't work if we just get another Senate seat or a couple yeah, of no. House. It has to be a referendum. They have to take the House by a large, more, bigger margin, a bigger Senate, yeah. take the Senate. We've gotta get the presidency. Um, Victor, I can't thank you enough for all the years of deep thinking and everything that you've done for the country. Um, thank you. Victor Davis thank Hansen. You. Appreciate it. Okay, I want to I change the conversation on Bud, Budweiser, Bud Light. Last week revealed that uh, trans TikTok personality Dylan Mulvaney was the new face of Bud Light. Everybody went nuts. He also has a similar deal with Nike. And when he's doing it, he looks like he's making fun of the way women work out. And if you haven't seen his little shtick, um, that's actually his brand. Watch. Day 66, being a girl, and today I'm in nature. Trees, I love them. Water, lakes, I love them. Heels, my hiking heels, I love them. Okay. okay. <laughs> so he's getting rich off of making fun of women.
He earns over a million dollars in endorsements just last year. This is insane. He's making fun of women. But let me go back to Bud Light. Where is this coming from? Everybody's saying, what is Bud Light thinking? Well, they're not thinking they're in a capitalist society anymore. Here's Bud Light's VP of marketing. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like mm -hmm. we need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what, is, what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter okay, and stop. different. And They're going to do everything that they did to Walt Disney. Okay. Everything that happened to the trust and the brand recognition of Disney, that's all gone because of little kids like that one. Bud Light had a marketing problem and was hurting. It was hurting the brand. Really? I'm sure it was doing just fine when Anheuser-Busch commercials were literally just a few people saying, what's up? They didn't need a trans TikToker to save the day. Likewise, Jack Daniels didn't need drag queens to save them from imminent bankruptcy. Or actually, did they? This is going to be a little eye-opening. Every corporation now is being blackmailed into compliance by ESG. Occupy Wall Street was a giant wake-up call, and corporate America was scared to death. And so they learned something. We well, just pay these people off. Now that the government is moving in parallel, the market is falling apart. The market used to drive corporate decision-making. But instead, if you're on one of these boards, that's not what drives you anymore. Again, this used to be business, the banks, insurance, the governments, the investment houses, the world markets. You were the focus of the board. How can we make our customers have an easier life? What can we give them? You're not even in consideration anymore. And these were the tools that would help. These were the guardians against people like this. Okay. Now, they don't think about you at all because they, they're worried about the activists, the banking and insurance companies. Can we still get money from them? The investment house, they're telling them what to do. If a board member disagrees, the investment house, like BlackRock, can replace one of these people. Or worse, they can just dump all their stocks and they're over. The world markets... They're in bed with the government of their countries. It's all about the Great Reset and ESG. The government will squeeze you. You don't matter anymore. And if you look at this, partners such as the Human Rights Campaign and their Corporate Equality Index. Let me tell you what CEI is. It assigns nearly 1,300 companies to a score based on how inclusive they are. And it's not just how obedient they are to ESG, it's how much they preach their commitment to the public. Quote, public commitment in CEI is measured through a number of individual engagements, namely through marketing, advertising, and sponsorship efforts, LGBTQ plus specific recruiting efforts, Philanthropic, uh, 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 philanthropic, you know what I'm saying, contributions, LGBTQ supplier diversity programs, and public policy weigh-in. This is why all these companies are going woke. If they get a bad score, 
then the woke investor funds start putting pressure on the boards. Woke activists are mobilized out in the streets. Advertising campaigns are shut down. And anyone that continues to do business with them will also be penalized. This is fascism. Let me give you this quote. Large businesses typically rely on other businesses for goods and services. And the business of the size included in the CEI typically have set standards and guidelines already embedded in their procurement. To ensure that suppliers act in a manner that adheres to a business's own standards, businesses must establish standards of conduct that set expectations for the behavior of their suppliers. Blackmail. Blackmail. This, let me show you this letter. This was sent from some of the largest environmental activist groups to the CEOs of insurance companies. They sent a list of honest-to-God terrorist demands insisting that they stop insuring fossil fuel companies. But this is just one focus on the E, while the CEI focuses on both the S and the G. All of it is dangerous and deadly. This is what we're up against. Do you remember when, when Joe Biden first got into office and he appointed John Kerry, our Build Back Better czar? And John Kerry was telling the World Economic Forum, oh yes, I think people will be shocked, absolutely shocked at the speed and the intensity, it's going to be bigger than anyone ever imagined. Hmm. Now you know why. It's been this from the beginning. We are playing a game where we think we're in a free market. You're playing a game where you think the government isn't all in. You're in this mode where we believe the government somewhere is good and corporations still listen to you. I got bad news for you. They don't.